Now is the winter of our discontent made glorious summer by this son of York, and all the clouds that lowered upon our house in the deep bosom of the ocean buried. Now are our brows bound with victorious wreaths. A single leader cannot direct more than one weapon unit per phase, unless they are part of the same fire group. Wait, 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 wait. Jeffrey. What? Those aren't your lines. What? Those aren't your lines. Oh, did I do that again? I, I, look, I, I know this Shakespeare. I know it really well, but I've been playing this game called Squad Leader, and I'm trying to learn the rules, and every once in a while it sneaks in. I, I'm sorry. Let me, let me just try it again. All right. All right. Now are our brows bound with victorious wreaths, our bruised arms hung up for monuments, our stern alarums changed to merry meetings. If good order units or weapons possessed in the same location are going to fire at the same target... What? Je no, no. Je Jeffrey. Jeffrey. There's no targets. What are you talking about? Weapons, targets, what are you, what are you uh, talking about? I'm still, I'm just, uh, I... I... <laughs> This show is in a week. I know, I know. This show is in a week, Jeffrey. Do you understand uh, what that means? Yeah, I know. We've, the producers have invested tons of money in this project. It's squad leader, I really enjoy this game. I, I mean, went to Shakespeare is great, but uh, you know, I'm just really into this now. So, what is causing this? You're studying these rules. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a, it's a great game. It really is very engrossing. I mean, Shakespeare is pretty good, but I mean, this is squad leader, man. You. You gotta try it sometime, you know? Jeffrey, with one week to go, you have a choice to make. It's going to be doing this show, the possibly greatest performance of Shakespeare that this, this city has ever seen, or this squad leader game. That's my choice? You have to learn your lines. One or the other? One or the other. It's interfering with your line, learning your lines. Jeffrey. Jeffrey! Understudy! Bandwidth for the two half squads is made possible by the C4 Corner Cutter. Spend more time gaming, less time clipping with the C4 Corner Cutter. And by listener contributions. Thanks for your donations. Well, welcome everybody to another exciting episode of the Two Half Squads. I am your host, Jeff. And, and I'm Dave. You are Dave. Actually, you look more like uh, Johnny Depp. Do you like it, my look? I love your look. Very, I, yeah, very Our listeners handsome. can't see me. I have been taking my beard off, and I was down to a goatee for a while, sporting a goatee, mm -hmm. and I was going to shave my head, but I'm really that doesn't no longer looks cool, like a motorcycle thug or something, gang member thug, so it just looks like a guy my age who's a little overweight trying to look mean, and I decided not to shave my head and keep the goatee, so I, I took down the goatee to just have a... Uh, what they call a soul patch under my lip. Oh, the soul patch. So I have a soul patch, mm -hmm. and I have a mustache still. Yeah, very nice. I think it's a very unique combination. Yeah. Uh, 
Most people will not have a mustache and a soul patch. Yeah. Just one or the other. It could We could call that the, uh, you've heard of the Van Dyke? We'll yes. call this the Van Kleinschmidt. The Van, I like that. Or the Van Dave. The Van Dave, I like that better. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So thank you, Jeff, for yeah, it's very uh, sort of patch. Cardinal Richelieu looking to it, me. It shows that nice. I'm that I'm young and hip. You are. You really are. You're. Did the kids like it at school? Uh, of course, they yeah. get a kick out of anything I do to my face. It's yeah. <laughs> and there's plenty there, to do. And there's oh well, yeah, they're <laughs> saying take it down to the Hitler mustache. Do a Hitler mustache. Oh, say, yeah. No no no, that would be a Charlie Chaplin mustache. Yeah. Hitler, that was no. a great mustache on Charlie Chaplin. Hitler wrecked it for everybody. He did wreck it for yeah. everybody. I don't know anybody that wears that one. <laughs> anyway, did See? I say this? Uh, the Two Half Squads is the one and only podcast dedicated 100%. I think it's pretty much 100%, isn't it? Dedicated to the greatest game in the world, Advanced Squad Leader. I didn't repeat myself, did I? I don't think you did. I'm not and even I, drinking and I yet. I believe that is still an coffee. accurate assessment. Yeah. yeah. So we so, can't talk about any other games. Don't even don't even get me started. Not on no, not on yeah. this podcast, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. Yep. So, uh, episode nineteen. Here we go. And today is May eighteenth, Monday, yeah. and it is episode nineteen. Yeah, it's pretty cool. A lot of good stuff going on. Let's start with some listener mail. Well, can I start, Jeff? Please, because the new thing for the, for the show is that Jeff and Joe did this marvelous tutoring game called newbie do yeah and we got some great response on that one is and that's well i'm sure the listeners know but it's uh designed to take walk you through playing a scenario yeah the first uh, from starter kit one the first scenario we started right at the basics and teaching as you went being yeah. very clear unlike the series replays uh, asl extras that I produced, which are just for you to kind of follow along in general and then listen to some strategy yeah. and tactic talk, that's designed to actually teach you the game rules. Right. And how they work. Is that correct? That was the, That's the concept behind it. And so far, I think it's going pretty well. Though it's, it's extraordinarily hard to do because we want to be sure we're very correct. We don't want to uh, make any mistakes, even though we do. Yeah. But it's really difficult. So anyone it's listening difficult. should read the notes yeah. at the bottom, the comments, where right. the, the, the few, few mistakes yeah, are few addressed mistakes. there. Mm-hmm. And then for the last one, I, had, I did come over and um, listen to Jeff and Joe do the second one. Right. And in this one, we wanted to pick up the pace a little bit, but also uh, contrive some different situations. So we are fudging on the die rolls to and pre-planning our moves so that things will move along a little quicker and we come up with some some good interactions. But again, it was pretty challenging. Yeah, you're trying to set up specific situations. Yeah, that we want to be, be sure we do. Educational. Yes, we want to cover interdiction so we set up something where somebody's getting interdicted on, you know, so. Right, and so the future ones probably won't be so much a replay of a starter kit scenario as simply maybe lining up counters telling people where they are i think and that's exactly what si- they'll be yeah situation we'll probably take another starter kit scenario that uses you know maybe in the next one some machine guns and we'll just set up some situations where machine guns come into play and then we'll add guns and we'll even get to tanks hopefully yep and that's a good deal yeah. and a letter about that very much appreciated this episode it ended very abruptly but i think you fixed that correct i did yeah i left <laughs> I left off the last five minutes. Uh, but I can but see I that fixed it. 
it has been reposted with the ending. He saw mm-hmm. that. Have to give that a listen. And there were a few minor mistakes, I think, but all in all, it was very helpful and well done indeed. I hope that you will do more of these, as they are a great learning tool to get into the game. Once one has read the rule book, but it still feels a little, but still feels a little lost after reading the rule book. Yeah. Thanks from a happy and wiser newbie, Steve Rasmussen. Thank you, Steve. And another one, starter kit, com- or um, newbie do. Comment, this was great. I've been trying to figure out SK rules and have played a few solo games, but I still felt a little lost. I sat down late last night with the iPod in my ears and followed through the, the podcast through. I'm happy to say I was playing it all correctly, except I had forgotten about resid- residual fire. You guys did a good job. I'm hoping the concluding po- podcast of this comes soon, as my better half is getting edgy with the game being a permanent feature on the table in the lounge room. Ooh. <laughs> We're sorry. Yeah. <laughs> we cause a lot of unrest. Yes, you do. In homes, don't we? Keep up the good work. Your podcast is greatly appreciated. Signed, Terry. And one more. Excellent work. Keep them coming. This is the podcast the newbies have been asking for. And boy, did you ever deliver. Nice. How's that, Jeff? That's very gratifying. That's true. Yeah. Cheers from Phil. And actually, I went home and sat down that night it was posted and followed along through about three quarters of it. Yeah, I really appreciate that. And you had some so. good feedback for us. So thank you. Thank you all, and we'll try to get that next one uh, posted soon. Well, it might be posted before this show. It's possible. Yeah, it's possible. There's a lot of editing to do in it, but Mm. we'll see. Um, And I'm a procrastinator. (laughs) You're you're busy. Yeah. Oh, that's it. You've added a Sunday afternoon gaming session to to your life. But I can't say what game that is because this is a podcast about Squad Leader. Um, So... (laughs) Satan worshiper. Yeah. Satan sorry. worshiper. <laughs> you know, it was funny. Actually, I was the other day. I, I went to a, a D&D. I, I joined a new D&D group. I hate to say it, but there it is. I don't hate to say it. I love to say it. I love D&D. <laughs> and uh, I'm a new D&D player. Uh, I've only played for a couple of years. Uh, Dave is a great dungeon master. And I've joined another group because, Dave, we just don't get enough chance to play. And I want to just experiment around a little bit. Anyway, so I was driving along. And a guy pulled up next to me in a car, and uh, on, the, on the way to the game. On the way to the game. Okay. I'm driving to the game, and a guy, and he's got like, uh, he's got all these stickers all over his car for wrestling. And I don't know anything about wrestling, professional wrestling. You know, he's got all these stickers all over his car, and his head is shaved. You know, and and he's got a goatee. And he's got yeah, he's got some sort of weird facial hair. You know, and I thought, look at this guy. <laughs> Grow up. Come on. That wrestling, that's silly. God, come on. Be a man. And, and I, I'm I actually, this sort of stuff is going through my head, you know, kind of in the back of my head. And then I suddenly thought, well, wait a minute. <laughs> Where am I going? I'm going to play Dungeons and Dragons. Okay. Okay. Man. So, oh, well. Anyway. Then I have to say, so... <laughs> I, I too am guilty of hypocrisy. I was dri- I'm always driving along and I see these cars with no hubcaps. Yeah. And I'm, I'm always like, oh, get a hubcap, you know, yeah. white, white trash. And then, yeah. <laughs> and then guess who's missing a hubcap and oh. has been for, yep, I'm Are missing you? one. But it's okay when I'm missing That's a hubcap. That's right. It's different. You and, have a reason. And for a while, I had a busted side mirror yeah. <laughs> I drove around yeah. with. <laughs> but when someone else's car looks bad, they're white trash. Yeah. Uh, that's the human condition. We can't all be like... Buddha or somebody. <laughs> we could try. We could try. All right, I've got some other listener mail I'd like to go through a little bit. Here's one from Danny. 
Thanks again for everything you guys do. People do listen, and I can honestly say that you have rekindled a whole town, Fort Myers, Florida. Wow, another area. Going back into ASL. How about that? Thank you, Fort Myers. That's that's very nice. Those those are my favorites. Oh, uh, also, P.S., remember, not all gamers are small on T-shirts. Some of them could fit into the XXXL. <laughs> so... Well, how are we doing on T-shirts? By the way, the deal is we have the two medium and I think four large or something like that left, and we are going to do a fire sale. Oh, why don't we give them away to the next caller? Oh, we don't have phone lines. Oh, all right. But I thought for the fire sale we could fire damage them a little. <laughs> Torch the fringe the edges with some <laughs> yeah. flame and then put them up as damaged goods and put yeah. them on sale. Yeah. So survived a flamethrower. Isn't that's, that what a? F- oh, that's clever. Yeah. Isn't that what a fire sale is? I it's think fire that's exactly good? what it is. Yeah. That's a good. Well, people. No, I don't think that's what it is. That's not what it is. No. No, I think it just means you you just cut the price. Okay. Well, I'm willing to cut the price without flame torching the yeah. shirts. Because I want closure to this T-shirt sale. <laughs> closure. I notice you look like you haven't slept lately. Is this why? <laughs> it's every night. I'm, I'm like, oh, six T-shirts left to sell. And so I think what we'll do is we'll offer uh, a $3 off. Mm-hmm. So for you people in the United States, that's $17. But you have to be small enough to fit into a medium or a large. Um, and, no, I fit into a medium. And you did. And you're actually your photos on the show wearing the medium. Yeah. And I'm next to you wearing the XL. Yeah. Um, so you can get, can get a look there, folks. And, and I wear a size 40 jacket. Okay. So help medium is a size yeah. 40. I think they run a little bit, a tad tight. Yeah, you a little bit. stretch them out with your elbows and yeah. when you put it on. I like them because my muscles really bulge. They throw them. <laughs> rippling. Yeah, yeah, rippling muscles. <laughs> then you would like the fire sale shirts that show yeah. off your arms <laughs> with the torch sleeves. <laughs> So the um so let's do that. Uh, three dollars off. So if you're in, in the U.S., it's seventeen dollar donation, and if you're overseas, that would be a twenty seven dollar donation. Right. Shipping is still pretty yeah. high overseas. Yeah. Um, let's start with that. Either so that, or we have to give them away at the church sale, or we could donate yeah. them to the Smithsonian, maybe. I yeah, know. or I might buy one of the mediums and give it to my son. See, kind of. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. I could pay us. I'm willing to do that to help finance us. How old's your son? Ten. Kind of sad that your son and I were in the same size T-shirt. <laughs> He's a very big boy. I'm not a little guy. I'm six feet tall. <laughs> yeah, it would be baggy on him. But Yeah, okay. But anyway. Yeah. So maybe there'll only be one medium left. But. That'd be good. So, you, well, yeah, you could that. use a good night's sleep. All right, uh, here's, here's an email from Steve from Miami. Miami, as, as they say. Uh, listening to your podcasts, uh, way behind the times, but wanted to add that a friend and I have played the Taro a campaign game once. It took about seven to eight months. It, for, when I first read this, uh-huh. I thought it said it took about 78 months. And I thought, <laughs> that sounds about right. <laughs> the way Joe and I were going, 78 months. He says, it took about seven to eight months, and we made it to the third day when the Japanese player surrendered. It was tons of fun, and I can't wait to do it again. And uh, that's Steve. Thanks, Steve. Yeah, I, I, Joe and I had a lot of fun, and I would definitely play that again, given some time. I would do it again. Well, and I was I looking it. for, maybe I'll work this in here now, um, doing one of the big, the last bid or the first bid from the two Stalingrad historical modules. Yeah. 
this summer, but uh, I got an email from the Hakapale Hakapale <laughs> guys, Lars and Perry specific specifically. And the call is, folks, if you're a Hakapele playtester like I am, we need to get in gear. All right? MMP would like to get this out before Christmas. Mm. And I'm excited about that because Dave Timmon and I would always be talking about, when will this get done? Well, I don't know. It probably took a couple years. I'm used to the old slow pace of Avalon Hill. And it turns out we haven't been playtesting much lately. Dave and I haven't been. It's just been busy with the school play, and he, we can't get our schedules to match up yeah. for some reason. All of a sudden, he's available two weekends. I'm not, but anyway, everyone out there listening, Hakapele playtesters, please let's get it in gear. I'm going to try and turn out one every week and a half if I can manage that with summer coming up and get this puppy finished and to the presses. So all you squad leader players can rejoice in having a very cool game from mmp coming out before christmas now are you uh what do you get out of this you gonna get one for free no you're not gonna buy one are you you've played the thing to death yes you are gonna buy one yes okay. in fact dave and i were talking about that now that we've play tested them all yeah the, the changes are often pretty subtle from the play test scenario it's oh, right. pretty well done to of start course. with there would be some some are major though. yeah like oh if you do this one thing you know run all your tanks into his hexes of his tanks, all the rest of your tanks can exit the board right away. Right. And that's a victory that they may miss. Well, that's a major change in the scenario. But a lot of them are pretty minor. And I was thinking, Dave and I decided, well, we're, yeah, we're going to buy it, and we're going to sit down, and we're going to play them all again. Yeah. With the official counters. Oh, there's going to be new counters. It's real exciting. Like any squad leader product, there's some new terrain types. I don't think yeah. I'm revealing anything here because I'm not telling you what terrain types. Choo-choo terrain? Actually, no, uh, no. Okay. It's actually um, dead elephant counters you put on the board. <laughs> and, or, you men get behind over there behind that dead elephant. It, it gives you protection, right? Yeah. Yeah. Cause oh, I'm sure it does. Fins were very famous for importing elephants to use as... Um, you know, like like Custer's Last Stand, shooting the horses in the head and using yeah. them for cover. Yeah. So, so, so there you go. Hannibale. Hannibale. Shot all of those <laughs> elephants crossing the Alps. <laughs> but but seriously, yes, get in gear, you play testers. Tell Let's me how get that, this I, done. Let's I, all get to work. I know we decided this was going to be a shorter episode, and that, yeah, so that's far, already gone out the window. Um, but how does this play testing work? So, are you playing um, all of the scenarios? That are that, and uh, and other people are also playing all the scenarios, and then they're compiling all this information. Or are you just playing through a couple, or how's that work? Exactly? Yes, everyone plays the scenarios, and, and how we many? get started late. And they they have I don't know how much I should say say. Um, well, they have they have lots and they lots have X number lots that they've they've sent you all of them. I think it's over thirty. Okay, and a, they're trying to find the best dozen. Oh, so or they'll weed I don't even out. know how many. Right, okay. they're going to use. And we just submit a report, and then Dave and I switch sides and submit a report again, trying to estimate the balance and how we might change it and discussing the strategies we used. And it's very fun, and that's why we got to get this interview with Lars done yeah. very soon, yeah. and we can talk about all these things with Lars once the thing is, uh, you know, well, I think he can start talking before it's out published because we won't be specifically talking about the secrets of Hakurale. Right, yeah. Well, that'll be, uh, you know, I'd buy one just because your name would be... I'm on the list of play I testers. might. Of course, I'm Hopefully. still. I'm still hoping I might become a counter 
a leader counter. I think you Kleinschmidt should. Kleinschmidt is German, and Timonen is Finnish. Okay, let's do this. Let's do this. All right, listeners, we're going to ask you to do this. We're going, And I'll post this on the website. <laughs> we're going to ask everybody to send an email to MMP. All you listeners, please put Dave Kleinschmidt on a counter. If they get a thousand emails... And Dave Timonen. And Dave Timonen. Because he could be a, a fan, and I could be a German. Yep. And we can do, do it's that. a grassroots campaign. Gas, gra- gas roots. Is this, isn't this how Obama got started? I think it is. A community organizer. Yeah. yeah. I like it. Let's do or it. Maybe they'll just get so ticked off that they'll never. We're going to show them at MMP the power behind the two half squads. <laughs> <laughs> they can't say no. They can't say no. Either Kleinschmidt and Timonen are in there or nobody's buying Hakapale. Are you, are you just saying this because you want me to stop talking about this topic? Well, no. Yes, a little bit. <laughs> no, really, though. All right. Are we doing a listener mail now? I think we are. I don't well, know. It's been so long. Let's get back to it. All right. Um, you know, there's one other thing you might consider doing when you turn in your results for Hakapale. Mm-hmm. Submit your own box art, your own cover. Oh, you're right. You could draw up something. I should get painting. Yeah. Right now. Yeah. I, you know what? I, they might have it actually commissioned already. Well, well I don't know. I could I ask. No, when they ask. see your art, they'll take. They'll throw out the <laughs> other guys. Think, I don't think so. I don't know. I might be able to pull one off. That'd be fun. I can do stick figures if you need help with sticks. As long as you put clothes on them. I, I promise. I tell my students. I can probably then. do clouds too. <laughs> okay, but back to listener mail. After we digressed so long, um, this is from Nelson Asada, who we've heard from mm-hmm. a number of times. Yeah, we only our, have like our friend. Eight. Yeah. Eight people that actually write us. <laughs> actually, it's us, and we've only made up eight names. <laughs> no, uh, Nelson Asada. Hello again from Fredericksburg, Virginia. And this threw me because Nelson, when he first started writing us, he lived in Alaska. Uh, the Philippines, I thought. Uh, no, Alaska. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that was uh, Nelson and- Mandela. No, he was, <laughs> in, he was in Africa. Who was in the Philippines? Nelson Rockefeller. No, no. He did the oil industry in oh. the United States. It was... Um, in the Marcos. Oh, Imelda Marcos and uh, and Mr. Marcos. Yeah. I don't remember his first name. Yeah. The Mario brothers. Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. Uh, Nelson is the one that sent us those two scenario books on yes. how to create um, ASL scenarios. Thank you again. Yeah. Love the casts. Here's a suggestion for an on-air quiz. I'll, I'll just give you this impromptu, Dave. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the route phase. I'm interdicting with my CX guy over here. Go ahead and roll. What do you do or say, if anything? That's his exact question. I don't know. And you have to put the frame your answer in the form of a question, or frame your question in the form of an I don't know. What is? Halt. Who goes there? Yeah. I'm interdicting with my CX guy. I don't know. We'll get back to that. That's a good question, Nelson. You have stumped our experts. <laughs> uh, he goes on oh, he to say... He can't because it's a, he's got a plus one on him. He can't interdict. Oh. We'll double check the rules. I okay. think that might be it. All right. That's good. We'll check that during the break when I go refill my coffee. What are you drinking? I just finished my Diet Coke on uh, ice through a straw delicious and i'm having a delightful um espresso delicious okay i'm going to post the two half squad flyer in a window of a relatively new game store the proprietor 
proprietrix. Female. Yes, an an attractive single woman. Kathleen Feduca owns and runs the place and has all-night gaming. Luckily, her Pentagon IT job lets her do this. It's in a strip mall off Route 3 called Five Mile Center. Please mention her place on the air if you don't mind. We just so did. the name of her place is the Game Vault. Oh, now and we just did. You can get to it at www.thegamevault.net. Excellent. Thank and, you for uh, hanging up our poster. Yeah, there isn't much ASL there yet. There's lots of miniatures, Axis, and allies. Oh, <laughs> uh, one minor point: there are a lot of AL- ASLers. Oh, this is interesting. There are a lot of ASLers who can pronounce the smoke dischargers with the finest Teutonic accents. And I've been told that the accent for Bushido is on the first syllable, not the second. Of course, I always say it that yeah. way. Bushido. Yeah. Bushido. And actually, uh, yeah. Bushido. <laughs> yeah. Got to be careful how you pronounce that. <laughs> Bush. That's Bushido. a bunch of Bushido. Yeah, Bushido. But everything, yeah, the Japanese pronunciation is different than, you know, we kind of ruin it as Americans, but we're sorry. Uh Message here for uh, an email from John Boone. Just wanted to make a comment about meetings at the library. Mm, another person meeting yeah. at libraries. Our group, North Texas Wargamers, has had two Wargame days at my local library since March of this year. They've worked out great for us. We may have lucked out, but the meeting room had a dozen plus tables with lockable wheels so we can move them around. Plus, the room is no cost to reserve, and they allow food and drinks. Another library I checked out wanted 50 bucks for a reservation, but you check with your local library and see. So um, just check around at your local libraries. You may get lucky, and it's a great place to hold games. Game day. I can't uh, believe it. Thanks, John Boone. Yeah, how about that? We, we should start doing that in our spare time, mm-hmm. as we've said before. Uh, here's one from Dan Brown. I don't think probably the author, but it could be the guy that wrote uh, The Da Vinci Code. I think might be. Might be an ASLer. This is kind of funny. You know, I went on vacation uh, about two weeks ago on a road trip. And it was hard being away from squad leader for a week. But I did it. But as I was driving around, you know, going to restaurants, seeing people, shop owners and stuff, it kept going through my head. I wonder if they play squad leader. (laughs) I wanted to ask people, you don't happen to play squad leader, do you? It kept going through my head. Did I tell you when I was always driving to Ohio when I was learning the game, I would look at the terrain out the window and think of it in terms of hexes. Oh, really? Like, you know, farmland. Oh, there's an open ground hex, and yeah. there's a hex with a building in it, the barn. And there's, you know, the, the, the trees on the edge of the fields. Those would be tree right. hexes. Yeah. It's very crazy. In season. Yeah. yeah. I think we need counseling. <laughs> Wouldn't hurt. Uh, from Dan Brown. Yep, another great podcast. Let me add my vote for whatever you guys want to podcast about. Art reviews, music, etc. My only comment is I want the podcast to be longer or more frequent. I know I'm asking too much, but this podcast really is the sole reason I got back into ASL. I listen to more than 10 different podcasts because of my long commute, but your podcast is the one I look forward to most. Oh, I am. I am. That's actually a very good compliment. That's a very nice compliment. There's a couple other good ones out there. Yeah. Here's one. I agree with Dave. It's unfortunate MMP does not intend to republish Paratrooper. This comes from our interview with Keith Dalton. Yeah. Because it's an ideal segue between the starter kits, and full ASL. The MMP website has a series of old articles that attempt to teach full ASL through a nine-step program instruction that utilizes Paratrooper, 
Beyond Valor and classic scenarios. You know, I learned ASL paratrooper scenarios. I learned ASL through the starter kits. When I anticipated moving to full ASL, I got the paratrooper scenarios. In fact, the full ASL scenario, the first full ASL scenario I played was Confusion Reigns from Paratrooper. Mm-hmm. And I used those old articles to guide my further learning of the full game. So my advice is use your clout and get uh, whose clout? Yeah. Your, your our clout, clout is our a clout. show. We have very small clout. <laughs> Can you have small clout? That's like jumbo shrimp. Small and clout. get MMP to post the Paratrooper. Oh, scenarios on their website. Oh, yeah. They may still sell a few more copies of Board 24 that came with the module. Yeah, they could put them all. Well, I think they're going to reissue them in different games, but you hate to lose any yeah. of them, I suppose. Um, whereas this, and that was from Tim. Tim Klepeshek, who we actually know. Yes, uh, we know personally. Trevor Mills also wrote regarding Paratrooper. Maybe MMP could just issue it as a starter kit special. Hmm. Requires starter kit one, chapter K, second edition rules, and encounters, maps, and scenarios will be included in the product. A sort of starter kit four, if you like. I Why like not? it. Starter kit special, the transition module. But anyway. All right, well, here it is. MMP, republish paratrooper or else. <laughs> There's the clout. Hey, we could have a write-in campaign. Oh, yeah. Well, let's not... Let's work first on getting your uh, your counter. Do you have more... Then we could do another. Letters to read, sir? Uh, no, that's all my letters. Well, I have this one. Hi, Jeff and Joe. Great lesson. Oh, this goes back to your starter kit. I mean, your um, newbie-do. Even old hands at ASL can get something out of it. I was able to follow along even without setting up the scenario itself. Very good. Thanks, Corporal Ull. And this is from Mark H. There's a new Wargame magazine he found out about and figured he would send the word over to us guys. The cover... The cover... They Oh, they, sorry. They cover many other war games, but have spots for ASL too. I think it's worth a check. Plus, I do play some of the other war games also. Well, he has a lot of time to do that. But Mark recommends Battles Magazine. I think if you just Google that, you'll come up with the uh, the link. And the product looks good, but it's, um, again, it's a little bit ASL in there, but he's letting us fanatics know. That's nice that to know. That stuff is out there. There is so much. You know, I like, uh, there are a lot of great websites. I don't know how many websites you go to when you're looking for ASL stuff, but I like to go to Board Game Geek. But the problem with Board Game Geek is that they also have 10,000 other games on their website. So you got to so sift very, a lot. It's very easy, you know, going there looking for ASL and suddenly you're on all these other fabulous looking games that we don't have time to play. Yeah. That's why I like um, Game Squad forums. They stay focused. And finally, we've got a letter here from Jim Pyle. First, a big thanks for helping me get back into ASL. I played a lot until about 1993 and then stopped playing until about a year ago when I regained contact with an old friend and we started playing by email. My dog likes to go for a walk every morning for about 45 minutes to an hour, so I load up my MP3 player with your podcasts. I downloaded them all, 1 through 18, and now I'm up to number 14, having a great time, and I'm sure people who see me walking my dog listening to an mp3 player and laughing at your jokes wonder what in the world is going on i'm getting ready to start a second play by email game using vassal with another friend and loving it again thanks i've got a comment on episode 13 which is our tanks episode you were talking about tanks and and one of you said that the rules on esb said that all german tanks before october 1941 were assumed to have a red 
MP number and so subject to mechanical reliability die roll. I thought this strange, so of course quickly went to the rules. You may have corrected this already, but I haven't heard it yet. And uh, But this does only apply to scenarios in North Africa. Yes, he's a good man for looking that up. He's, he's not as lazy as we are. Because we need to look up more things. So I'm looking at it right now. Yeah. Jeff made me. Rule yeah. 2.52, Section D. Access vehicles. All access vehicles in North African scenarios set prior to October 41 are assumed to have their uh, MP allotment printed in red. Okay. It is only the desert. In fact, yeah, it struck me as odd, too. Because yeah. usually if there's something arcane that I don't play when I hear it, I recognize, oh, oh wait a minute, I think that is correct. And that one didn't strike that chord with me. Yeah. The desert one, it is correct. So probably had something to do with the design of the vehicles, the German vehicles for the desert. I'm well, I'm sure they probably, you know, at that time, they were they were new to desert as well. Maybe they didn't have so the right oil in yeah, them. Yeah, it could be. A WD-40, you know, a nice, oh, wait, no, yeah. no WD-40. <laughs> a 10, 10 w, w. Yeah, whatever. I don't change my own oil. Um, and uh, Jim Pyle goes on to say, Anyway, as I said, I really love your show and hope you will keep it up. I just sent you a donation today to show my appreciation. And what a great way to show your appreciation. There's no better way to say I love you than with a <laughs> donation to the two half squads. And even if you don't play or if you have a spouse that doesn't play, she'll still love to get a thank you note from Dave and Jeff. That's correct. Yeah. So keep those donations coming. We just had uh, we just had to pay our bandwidth for the year, which was a whopping uh, hundred bucks. As we enter our second year yeah. of uh, production, That's so right. gonna need another hundred dollars in donations. Yeah, Thank and you. we also are drinking. Oh, Louis the Sixteenth Guillotine. S. Bale Browning's Brewery, Louisville, Kentucky. That was a very um, smooth transition you made. Thank from, you. <laughs> from from contributions to what we waste your money on. Yeah. No, this, <laughs> this was paid for out of my pocket, yeah. and it uh, couldn't resist the Louis the Sixteenth Guillotine Ale. What's E S B Ale? Excessive speed breakdown. Yeah. Is that ironic? That's great. It actually says E S B Ale on it, folks. Look it up online. And this comes out of Louisville, Kentucky. Jeff, what was your take on this? I, I wouldn't have expected a guillotine ale out of Kentucky. But well, I don't know. No, much you're about right. Kentucky. I was thinking of New Orleans being kind of French, yeah. but not Kentucky. All right. Well, I'm going to taste out a little sip right now. This is my first sip. I ran out of coffee, so it's got a good nose. I like the way it collects on your mustache there. It shouldn't have a nose in it, Jeff. If yours has a nose in it, you're going to need to return the bottle immediately <laughs> and call the police. Like that chili <clears throat> from Wendy's with the finger. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> ah, fairly good. I think it has a little aftertaste. Yeah, it's a little of uh, that bitter, kind of that bitter after. It might be good with um, some citrusy in it. Yes, I think you're right. So well, anyway, that's, that's it for listener, listener mail. mail. Yeah. Thank you, listeners. You know, in our last episode, we were having such a good time, we forgot to do our C4 corner cutter commercial our apologies so here it is now let me talk to you personally for a minute squad leader players are you embarrassing yourselves by going out in public to tournaments even having people into your home 
and you have raggedy corners on your squad leader counters, look, there's no excuse for displaying that way anymore. You're all grown up. It's time to clip your corners. And uh, there's no excuse for borrowing your wife or your girlfriend's favorite toenail clippers to do the job. And there's no excuse for sitting around hour after hour clipping all those corners. Look, it's the 21st century. Get with the program. Spend 20 bucks and get a C4 corner cutter. The C4 corner cutter will help you prepare an ordinary game in about an hour, even a big game in an evening. The C4 corner cutter clips square counters, rectangular counters, even counters from games that aren't squad leader. So I don't know why you're delaying. Get with the program. Start your life anew. Get a C4 corner cutter. It's $20. Check the link on today's show notes or on the Two Half Squads webpage. Dave, I want to talk to you a second. Yes, sir. I have made a big breakthrough in my squad leader plane. By, well, it, recently uh, I had a nice opportunity to play uh, Desert Scenario, as I have mentioned. I probably mentioned last time I was going to be placing, uh, playing Blazing Chariots, which is one of the more basic introductory sort of, sort of scenarios into uh, the desert rules. And um, I was a little nervous. I was going over to Rich Spilkey's house to play, and Rich is such a great player and a, and a very good teacher. And I wanted to be ready, so I decided to actually spend some time preparing before I went. And I got to tell you, as a still a relatively new player, it made a huge difference by taking some time to prepare before I went. And in this, because then I could spend more time thinking about the rules and less time about the details of my equipment. So. The place where I did the preparation was I looked at all the equipment, you know, in this case it was tanks, and I made notes about each tank, and I made notes then too about uh, some of the terrain, etc. But and I made up these cards. I made up an index card for each tank, and on the on the index card I put the name of the tank, and whether it was a standard turret or or slow traverse turret, uh, the rate of fire. I list the armor factors and even wrote out this little table to show that if it was a superior or inferior turret in the front and the side rear armor factors, I wrote those out so I didn't have to try to remember the little circles and squares. Mm -hmm. I also included like the bow machine gun and my little notes to myself, things like the range is eight on mm -hmm. a bow machine mm -hmm. gun and it's 12, 12 on, on the coaxial. Coax. And uh, the main armament breakdown number the target size, and then this Modifier. little table down here, with the, which is the, the gun caliber, and all the to-kill numbers. So it says 57L, to-kill numbers at 0 to 1 This range. is for the Churchill, yeah. 16. Yeah. Wait, oh yeah, the to-kill number, 2 is 16, hex a range of 3, 15, drops at a 7 to 12 range, 15 still. At 19 to 24, it'll become a 14, so you can quickly... Calculate that up without looking at the uh, charts, too. Right. So I don't have to keep going back. That's excellent. Yeah. You know, you would have liked the um, armor fighting vehicle cards that came out way back when. You could order them for five bucks. Oh, yes. They were you advertised have those, in the right. general. You those have those. Yeah. On the top of my trays, I move right. them off. You pull those out, and they're. They're great, but they actually don't have is that to kill number and range changing thing. Yeah. Where it's already factored in the caliber size and the, and the range factored in. 
that's a neat idea. It really helped me a lot. And by having so by having that, I could see sort of where I needed to be in relation to it, uh, my opponent's tanks, and how much range change I needed to do or could do and whether or not it would make a difference. Uh, I also made up cards for his tanks then as well so that I could see what effect my to-kill numbers would have on his armor because I did all the same stuff. And by putting them on these index cards now, I've got these, so next time I play a scenario that includes Churchill 4s, I've got the card. My idea is to someday have these cards for every tank. Sounds like, um, did they have this for... How many tanks? How many different cards did they have that you have? A ton. I really, you know, I don't know. It's easily, it's probably twenty or more. I, mm. It seems to be most of the vehicles that you'll need. Yeah, not the really odd ones. Yeah, and so, well, this preparation helped me a lot. Again, I I didn't have to worry really about about anything other than moving my tanks and taking my shots and rolling. And and the other rules that I needed to learn, which you know, which are all the desert rules. So and then uh, so I was showing these to Rich, and then he showed me this. He actually made up this, which is sort of similar, his uh, scenario to kill number decision aid. Which I'll ask him if we can put that on the website. Oh, and he does one of these for each scenario, and then he he tapes this to the back of the scenario. Why does he call it a to kill number decision aid? I'm not sure why he would call it that. Because exactly. what it does is has a slot. Yeah, re- really what it does is it just has a, a place for you to put in your different tanks and then what the to-kill numbers are across different ranges. So I, I suppose it makes you helps you make a decision, like how close do you need to get to get up one more level in to-kill number. Right. Yeah. So do I do I fire at this range or that range? Right. That's what he's talking about. Because right. you just love to shoot that weapon and hear that explosion. Hear those tanks blowing up on that battlefield. Blow them up. Yeah, I like it. I like it. I'm going to do this from now on. I'm going to go through Chapter 8 but you know, and wh- do this Preparation. And you know what I'm going to call it? What are you going to call it, Jeff? Preparation H. Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What do you think? You know what, though? This he did for Desert Game, right? Yes. So in a lot of scenarios, your tanks won't even ever get a line of sight at more than six hexes away. Well, I'm, I'm not discouraging that. It just becomes a little less important than in the desert, where you're actually f- going to find these variances at these long ranges. These long ranges, yeah, versus that's true. the LL guns versus the short barrel. Well, the short barrels and the Ls, but um, even between an L and an LL, I suppose, is probably something at those longer ranges. Yeah. So, yeah, I like it a lot. So it's a very good idea. And once you have it done by the scenario, you stick it in the scenario behind it in your plastic folder, and you just pull that out again have it ready to go anytime you're ready to play. So that was good. And the the one other thing that I did was I looked at the victory conditions and wrote them out in plain English. I need to do this and this and this in order to win. And not let him... Kill a bunch of points, or, right? You know, rather than than continually referring to the victory conditions and trying to decode, because sometimes they can be a little yes, legalese, legalese, certainly. Yeah, you learn to do that by the um, advanced sequence of play chart when we talked about that's it, right in the pre-rally phase. You check all your information. Right, uh, preparing for a game is important. I think when we record the 
um, specials, mm-hmm. ASL extra episodes. You can get to hear me thinking through how I'm going to set up what I'm looking at before the game and saying things like, oh, I'm, I'm looking up, going to look up this rule and looking up this vehicle and looking up this gun. You know, even guns, artillery pieces. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And actually, I don't look them up as much as I should. I always kind of assume, oh, there can't be too much in there. It's such a two pages of rules, but we all should look up those guns and everything to make that work well. Yeah. And be more prepared to if play. If we want to be good players. You recognize this song, Dave? Rally Around the Flag, boys. Very good. Rally Around the Flag. And why are we playing Rally Around the Flag? Because it's time to go back to the Aesop chart. And? Do the rally phase. (laughs) It's like a morning zoo show. (laughs) It's crazy. Hello, kids. Hey, hey. Welcome back to the Aesop, the advanced sequence of play. Uh, I guess it was two episodes ago, I think, episode 17, where we went through the pregame sequence, which took us about, I don't know, four and a half hours or I something. I think there's a lot in that pregame sequence. Yeah, there's a lot. Longer to, than the rally phase. Yeah. Yeah. But it was all very interesting to me. But now we're going to go through the rally phase. It's probably only take two hours. Got to know these phases, people. So uh, I'm just going to kind of read through this, and you can sure. give us color commentary. Sure. People listening in their car can—it's almost like reading the, you know, rules while you're driving. Yeah. Of course, we're not uh, breaking any copyright laws, are we? No, we're not. Yeah. Yeah. Where's your? What are we doing? Driving our cars? Uh, yes. We're, we're listening while we're driving in our cars. But the reason it's not copyright violations is because this is a satirical show. Yes, it is. That's right. That's right. We had to take a brief pause for a, a technical beer difficulty. Dave noticed that his beer... Had flex the, in it. Had flex in it. The The head of the beer was covered with, like, brown stuff, so... I think it was the bottom of the bottle. Yeah, that must be it. I poured it in, opened another one, and it seems to be okay now. Oh, no, wait a minute. It says right here on the label, Government warning. According to the Surgeon General, this beer may contain dirt. Oh, that explains it. No, it's a a medium-bodied copper-colored ale, and maybe they used real copper shavings. That could be. got some of that. Anyway, it says it's good to the bitter end. And so raise an extra pint of this special ale to Louis' bitter end, Louis the The Sixteenth. Excellent. Makes more sense. Yeah. So where were we, Jeff? Well, uh, we were going to start the rally phase. I'm just going to read right from the rules. The... The chart. uh, Right from the chart in this first part. And this part is in uh, italics. It's actually uh, even before the start of the rally phase. It says, only one action, and then in parentheses, attempt, allowed per unit, per rally phase. So does that mean a leader can rally a squad and take a broken weapon from a, or a uh, a weapon from a broken squad also in the same phase? Uh, I would say no, because that's two actions. Correct. I believe that's true. Okay. Continue. Uh, exceptions, repairing more than one support weapon or gun. And that... So he can repair more than one. Is What's the rule on that? Uh, that's rule A, 9.72. And I'm looking at that now because 
Any good order unit may attempt to repair as many of its malfunction support weapons during the rally phase as it can fire in one phase, making a die roll for each. I did not know that. So at it doesn't all. even have to have it in no. possession. Oh yeah, of course you do. Yeah. So you have to take possession of it. Yeah. If you have two broken light machine guns, yeah, you can fire two support weapons. I guess it could be any machine guns, right? I you, guess. Yeah. You, if you don't fire your own inherent firepower, you can fire two support weapons. So yeah, you can right. Repair them both. It makes sense, but I didn't know that at all. Of course, how often does a, squ- a squad have two broken, two malfunction weapons at one time? Well, probably more often than we think. No, I'm betting never. You don't think so? A unit breaks, or d- DMs we- gets killed and drops their weapon. Can't the other squad pick up that weapon? A broken weapon. Broken weapon. And then its weapon's also two broken. broken. Weapons. Two yeah, broken yeah. weapons. I guess it's one rare. rally phase. And it's a good or yeah, I don't think it happens much. But anyway, I think they should leave out the rules that just that you know don't for stuff that doesn't lot. happen very often. <laughs> but yeah, there you the go. The book would be much smaller. There you go. So, and continue. Okay, continuing with the exceptions, a leader rallying more than one unit. Uh yes, of course we do that all the time, right? Right. A leader stacked with three squads, he rallies all three squads, broken right. squads. Also, uh, recovery. Oh. Recovery is not an action by a broken unit. Wait a minute. Recovery. Recovery. Of a weapon in the hex, unpossessed, recovers a weapon. Is not an action by a broken unit. What rules is that? That's A4.44. I don't think I know what they mean. A4.44. We'll have a little um, interlude music while while you're looking that up. Well, hmm. And? Um, yes. Read should it I, again, should sir. Should I play it again? No, just read it again. <laughs> All right, this, this is the exception. It says, recovery is not an action by a broken unit. This is known as dead air. Well, this is why. <laughs> this is why the last time when we went through the uh, pregame sequence took so long. We well, got, this, hey, we only got to the first one, and we got some. <laughs> we're double we checking things with the rule book. Yeah. Uh, four point four four, section A. Yeah. Recovery. Infantry may claim possession of an unpossessed support weapon gun at the start of any rally phase as their sole action. Later in that rule. It says a recovery attempt is allowed only by an unpinned good order, non-bypassing unit in the same location with the support weapon. Hmm. So I'm t- I don't believe uh, a broken guy can recover anything. Yeah, that's just plain wrong. Yeah. Now, you- well, I looked. I I went to Google and just looked up uh, the phrase "recovery is not an action," and sure enough, I got a hit. A couple hits back. One of which was a uh, email conversation a couple of guys were having back in 2003, and one guy said, "What does this mean?" And the other guy replied, "It probably means if one leader recovers a support weapon from a broken unit, another leader could also try to rally that unit later in the rally phase. So a leader can take can take a weapon away from a broken unit. Okay, but that's, that's not, not an action performed by the broken unit. Okay. And then another leader could rally that unit. He I thinks guess. that's what it means. Yeah, I guess. MMP, give us an official answer if you Keith, if you're out there, check it out. Yeah, check it out. 
We'll wait. And <laughs> no, we won't. We'll be waiting a long time. Well, let's continue. All right, let's go on. Thank goodness. All right, on to 1.1, start of the rally phase. 1.1A, roll for any provisional um, um, special scenario rules, reinforcements, including air support. Set up off-board all forces due to enter this player turn. Yeah, remember that, folks. That people, I still play people who don't do that in the rally phase. They wait till their turn to move and start to set up off-board. So yeah. when you rally phase, set up all your reinforcements where you want them to come in. And then, uh, so you set up all things including uh, tanks. You, you also set up cloaking, mm-hmm. gliders parachutes cloakings for night rules okay gliders of course and parachutes we know what those are next check for wind change so you set you oh oh, this makes sense first set up those provisional reinforcements then check for wind change okay because i suppose it it might catch your gliders in the wrong or parachutes in the wrong place yeah blow them around yep um NVR change. What's that mean? Night visibility range. Okay. Which is for night rules. Uh, at night, you can only see so many hexes. Anything beyond that's in the darkness and can't be seen unless they fired at you and so on. So that would suddenly, like, the moon would glow a little. The clouds would pass out over the moon or the, the conditions would change for the night to get a little brighter or a little dimmer. So if there is a wind change, I think this is what it's saying. So you check for wind change, and if there is a wind change, then you check that NV. Make that visibility NVR change. range. Yeah. It comes off the wind change die roll. Okay. Yeah, the color die on that roll is this, it also indicates the um, night visibility range change. Okay. And then you also check for uh, blazing building collapse. Okay, wouldn't think of that a lot. Um, civilian interrogation. Now, I don't know why that would come at this particular point, but... Because, well, where else would it happen? Not in the prep or movement. Yeah, well, they right? stuck this right after a wind change. It, so it's between oh. the NVR change and the fog level. Check your fog oh, level. That may not so, matter. Yeah. That may not matter too much. But <laughs> We're just going to scratch that one out. I don't like that one. We'll leave that out. Uh, check for rain and falling snow intensity. Dust. Uh-huh. Yeah. Dust. Those, so if you're... Those can change. Scenario, yeah. Heavy surf. If you're doing a do-it-yourself, also uh, scratch that part. Then during gusts, remove vehicle dust and dispersed smoke. Okay, so when you uh, roll for gusts on the rally phase roll wind change die roll, yep. it can blow away the smoke on the board. Love that. Have you had that happen ever? I have had that happen, yes. I would hope so after a thousand games. <laughs> You've had it all. Uh, remove vehicle dust, yes, and disperse smoke. Flip the remaining smoke counters to their dispersed side. Right. Any smoke that you've placed previously, the large 5 8 inch counters would be flipped. The exception is, what is the exception where even during a gust, you would not flip or remove smoke counters? This is this is going to stump you. Yikes. If it's an interior building hex, smoke inside Oh, no, actually, (laughs) that was pretty close. No, actually, uh, in a building hex, it would still get dispersed, I guess, but not in a... Cave? Yes. 
That's right. So a uh, uh, pillbox or under in a cave, maybe okay. Cave. Cave is the only one they mention. Okay. But I, I don't know if it would also include like sewers. No, I, would I think, think it's you know, well. Yeah, if it says smoke cave. in a sewer. Yeah. Well, yeah. Go ahead. Okay. And at this time, uh, next thing you do, you may recombine good order half squads if a good order leader is present. It takes a leader to recombine two half squads into a full squad. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's if that good order leader is present and or unarmed guard, fin, carrier, half squad without a leader. Oh, may recombine. guards can recombine automatically. Yeah. The fins, fins can, can recombine without a leader. Yeah. And who else? Unarmed. Prisoners? Yeah, unarmed. I would guess any yep. any sort of unarmed. Those I don't know if there's anything other than They come in half squads and squads. Uh, and carriers. What's carrier? Carrier passengers? That's like the... Um, it says car- oh, carrier half squad. Oh, when you unload a carrier, the two half squads can pop out of the vehicle. They can recombine automatically without a leader. That's what it's saying. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. All right. Good. Uh, this time you may place or remove animal pack counters in the initial rally phase of the game turn. Let's skip that. No one plays with animal pack. Via, um, <laughs> in I the, agree. In the Pacific, you could take apart a mortar and carry it on a donkey up a hill and stuff. A donkey. So a donkey, yes. Yes. I packed it on my donkey. Where's the mortar? It's on the donkey. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds a little like a like a donkey donkey, doesn't it? Yeah. You may load or unload animal pack guns if halfway through the unpacking or packing period. Oh, okay, let's skip that too. We'll do we'll do Pacific stuff later. Pack animals only happen in the uh, Pacific theater. Yes. Far, you know? yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean, you might encounter some by special scenario rule for Europe. Uh, I don't know. They came out with the Pacific rules anyway. Okay. Uh, next, you may attempt to recover support weapons or guns in the same location. Okay, there you go. Pretty basic. Pick up any guns laying around on the ground. Yeah. Next, that's at the start of the rally phase. Then, during the rally phase. Oh, there's parts to the rally phase. Yes, there's okay. the start, the during, and then the end. Interesting. Okay. During the rally phase, you may attempt to deploy good order squads if a good order leader is present and or unarmed guards, fins, carrier half squads, and United States Marine Corps 768s without a leader. They can uh, break into two half squads at will. Yes. They're highly trained. Yes. Okay. I like it. Uh, infantry multi-man counters may attempt to scrounge abandoned vehicles or non-burning wrecks. So tell me what scrounge is. Scrounging is when you search the vehicle to pull. It can't be a burning wreck because you burn up if you jumped inside it to look for weapons. But inside a vehicle could be pistols, um, submachine guns. Some of the vehicles would carry. Some would even have different variety of weapons, too. Bottles of wine. You Sure. Whatever the guys would have in that Nylons. track. You know, in yeah. that half-track or vehicle. Chocolate bars. The, yeah. Ballpoint Americans, pins? No, oh, no ballpoint pins Not were allowed. Time. Okay. No. And they can just search and pull those weapons out of there. So it's a good tactic if you have the time to do it. Next, place scrounged and TI markers. So after you've scrounged for something, you have to place a scrounged marker? Because the vehicle is now cannot be scrounged again once it's been searched and the weapon's taken out. It, it's done for the game. 
Well, actually, I, I don't get. So, can any wec- any vehicle be scrounged? I don't. Without looking up, the, we need Bob for that. Without looking okay. up the rules, I'm, I'm not sure. And what determines I'm what you most, find in there? Yes. Is there a die roll or something that determines if you find something? Um, Should we look that up? Should we yes. pause and look that up? Okay. This this is in. Um, Does it have a number? Uh, it's D ten point five. Um, typically, you can get the weapons that are in it. Like it's got the machine guns, the bow machine gun, or the coax. Okay, right? so you can take those out. Yeah, and the rule actually says ten point five in section D: any non-berserk, unbroken infantry multi-man counter, not in melee, may attempt to salvage a functioning support weapon from a non-burning wreck or abandoned vehicle, provided it's not already been scrounged or marked with a disabled counter, because then the weapon would be broken, I guess. Yeah. Any successfully salvaged weapon is treated as a normal support weapon of that vehicle's nationality. A unit in the same hex with the vehicle wrecked during its own rally phase may attempt to scrounge, but regardless of the outcome, it and any support weapon it salvages are TI for the player turn. So it's taking you the whole turn to do it. You yeah. marked task involved, TI. You can't do any other actions during the turn. You can't prep. You can't move. Ah. It's taking a long time to scrounge. It's not just happening during the rally phase. Okay. And I'm going to vehicle carried inherent small arms capable of rearming any unarmed unit up to a half squad size. So you take your prisoners, escape prisoners, uh-huh. scrounge the vehicle, and then they are rearmed. An unarmed squad will be immediately replaced by an armed half squad and a still unarmed half squad without the usual deployment requirements such arms cannot be given voluntarily by such arms cannot be given voluntarily by a manned armor fighting vehicle oh it can't just hand over the weapons to the prisoners it has to be abandoned yeah, vehicle. right okay then you make a die roll on a one to three to scrounge anything of value a one to three die roll is necessary the die roll doubles as the number of support weapons that may be scrounged if more than one exists. And I'm sorry, so I'm a little confused one. when you're talking about prisoners. You're saying prisoners can scrounge? Sure. They're men running around if they're escaped prisoners. They have to be escaped prisoners. Yeah, right? well, okay. your guard lets yeah. them. Yeah. Uh, oh, get in that tank and look pris- for guns. Prisoner, what are you doing? Oh, we're just looking for chocolate bars yes. in the tank. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sure, go ahead. You guys must be hungry. Gee, we found pistols. We're shooting at you. So, neat. Now, I always forget this. Well, I never scrounge either, but possibly because I never think about it. Yeah. There are vehicles on the board. Yeah. Right? That right. are, uh, you know, maybe abandoned when the crew has to come out for Could the. Be. You know, that happens fairly yeah. often. A non burning wreck. That happens a lot. Uh, escape prisoners happening less often, but trying to go in and get those machine guns if you really need them for firepower. And you roll that one to three. And it tells so it you might, the number. It might make sense if you've, uh, if the main armament, let's say the main armament is non functioning. The crew could scrounge and recover the weapons in the tank and hop out. If the main armament is? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that's a different rule, I think. That's a, when they abandon. I think there's a slightly different rule for that. But okay. So when they abandon, they can, they can take that. Yeah, we'll have okay. to look at, let's do that another day. We can continue tanks part three. Okay, yes. Um, and my other question is, what determines... Um, so they get rearmed. It doesn't mean they're out They're out with a light machine gun, medium machine gun, or heavy machine gun. Well, you roll it? the dice. One oh, to you three. do? Okay. So if you roll two, you get two weapons. An unarmed squad is replaced. Half of them get weapons because it's replaced by an armed half squad and an unarmed half squad. Two half squads make a squad. Right. So you send a squad into the tank. Half the guys come out with weapons. Okay. Again, I, yeah. I never 
think of that or ever look at that, you know, and that's a pretty rare situation, but neat. That's why you love yeah, squad kind of leader, cool. right? Yes. And then you roll that one to three dice, tells you if you can get one machine gun, two machine guns, whatever, out of the vehicle. And they're light In machine guns? In addition to. They match the type of machine gun counter. Um, a scrounge machine gun is represented by an LMG counter of that Rex nationality, regardless of its firepower while mounted. Okay, so okay. it's always an LMG. So it's always an LMG. Okay, I okay. thought maybe if it was a five machine gun, it would be a medium. Yeah. No. Okay. Wow. Great. That's we got to try that sometime. Learn and helping the players learn the rules. Yeah, yeah. and we'll, us too. Yeah. Uh, next, you may attempt to repair support weapons or guns, vehicular armament. Sure. Okay. You may transfer support weapons or guns. Give a weapon from one squad to another. Yep. And you may also transfer prisoners. Uh, yeah. Here, you watch these guys for a while. I'm going to go yeah. have a smoke. Yeah, I'm tired. <laughs> And then there's uh, there's something here that says ski use die roll. Yeah, that's rule E four point two one ski use die roll. Ski daddle, they skidoo. Which says if skis are recovered, they can be used by their new owner only if it began the scenario with ski capability or makes a ski use die roll of a one. So there's a one out of six chance. The dudes who find the skis can use them, even if they're not qualified by special rule to use skis. Wow. They have thought of everything. They have thought of everything. Some guy wrote that. And if you roll a two to six, the skis are eliminated because they can't use them, so they get mad, and they break them into pieces. I hate these skis. Skis are stupid, and they break them all into pieces. That's how you're going to remember that, folks. I'd bring them back home with me as a... To you know, sell them on eBay? Yeah, Exactly. What did you bring home from the war, Dad? Did you get, did you get like a nice gun or a samurai sword? No, I got these skis from my Finnish opponent. Yeah, in Hakapale. Pele, Pele. Yeah, whatever. Next, you may attempt to rally broken units. Of course, that's simple enough. You roll that die roll and rally those guys if you can. Uh, those with a commissar or Japanese leader, which fail to rally. Are in trouble. Are replaced. Replaced by the next lower, next lower quality unit. So an elite to a first line, first line to second, etc. Yeah. And then, uh, and if not, and if they were already like conscripts. They are disrupted instead. Uh, eliminated. Oh. Yep. Oh, yes. He shoots them and he finally kills them. Yeah. Right. They're off the board. Yeah. yeah. Very sad. First, the attacker multi-man counters uh, rally attempts happen. Okay, now why is that important? Well. Probably in some arcane way. I'm sure it is. Okay. All right. Yeah, I think what this is saying is that the um, the fir- the attacker gets to self-rally, and they have to do that first. They get to self-rally one unit. But they have to do that first oh, before so they do any of their rallies. Sure, because I didn't read the rest maybe of the, if of the you there. don't rally your guy, and then I, well, I don't know, maybe some arcane situation where yeah. it would matter. But the attacker usually always goes first, so that's so, good to be consistent. Yeah. So, and it says uh, they can either be self-rallied or field promotion. Tell me what field promotion is. Do you know that? When they roll the snake eyes on their rally, self-rally, Ah, right. One of them is made into a leader, leader, and you roll on the leader creation table. Okay. 
Uh, next, determine the final drop point for each para wing. Yep, you roll, and I haven't done paras in a long time, but you would roll to see where they would land yeah. according to the wind and drift and all. And then place all sticks on board in aerial locations. Oh, the sticks are the individual parachute counters that come off of the airdrop, like you drop like three in a row or five yeah. in a row. I forget the rules for that. But Very good. Uh, that's all during the rally phase. Then at the end of the rally phase, you roll for... You roll for shocked or unconfirmed AFV recuperation. Unconfirmed kills, UKs. Um, yeah, your tanks that were hit. Have you had that happen in games? I have, yeah. We had a number of shocked. Yeah, you put that counter yeah. on. It's really tense because you don't know if that tank's dead or not. Right. You decide, do I shoot it again? But in the rally phase, you would make that roll. Yeah, that happened to us a lot during uh, Blazing Chariots. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. Uh, and also remove or flip the uh, markers as appropriate. Are for they, those shocked. Oh, those counters, okay. For those counters. And then you may or must remove DM markers from eligible broken units. Yes, and must is important because uh, sometimes players would want to keep a plus four on so the unit can route again because you can only route if you're marked with a DM, right? Right. And so the rule is, no, you take it off if they're in cover. It takes away some of the control the player wants to have over the mm. rallying, routing units. And actually, the final step in the rally phase is you may claim wall advantage, attacker first. Okay. And we covered wall advantage in a previous show. Yes, we did. So we'll leave it at that. Yeah. And that's the rally phase. That actually wasn't too bad. Okay. No, not too bad. Yeah. Should we stop there and save the phase for later? We do have some more things coming up here tonight. We want to keep it short. I think that's a good idea. So Let's do it. Uh, if you want to hear about the prep fire phase, you're just going to have to wait. You're going to have to wait. Sorry, folks. Well, listeners, guess what time it is. Time for my sleeping pill? No, no, no sleeping, Jeff. It's time for box art review. Yay! There are at least three people who want to hear this out there. Today we have... Croy Daguerre. Croy Daguerre. It looks like Crocs de Guyer. That's because you're an ugly American, and you don't know how to pronounce French words. <laughs> That's very true. Anyone knows, it's cross de guerre. <laughs> and it's from ASL Module 10. What do you think of the cover, Jeff? Well, uh, it's very colorful. Yes, it's because it's in color. Yeah, it's I not don't... a black and white illustration. Is this module still available? I yes. Yeah. You think? Yeah. yeah. Croydegar is available. Yeah. yeah. I have I've never seen this before, so it's it's kind of nice. Well, now we know what our listeners could get you for Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, or for Memorial Day. The first thing you should look at here is the composition. Or for Memorial Day. That's a good idea. Yeah. We look for the triangular placement of the composition and do you quite see it through the whole work or well uh, no not really i mean there there is a some buildings in the some tall buildings or something in the background that yes. sort of gives it the but do those function look, as but... kind of the subject or does that seem like background to that's you? background to me i would think it was background i would have taken this french 
Pelu. What's the word for those French guys, the soldiers? Uh, Pe- messieurs. <laughs> no. <laughs> Mes amis? No. Pelu? Peli? Yeah, I don't remember. But this French gentleman in the front who has some kind of machine gun, clearly. Mm-hmm. You would make him larger and move him a little to the right. He seems a little far to the left to me. It's almost like you have two subjects. Yeah, the French guy and the and tank. And the tank. Mm-hmm. And so the two subjects struggle against each other, unless the artist was attempting to create a sense of tension in the work. And that's the great thing about art, is you can make up whatever you want. No, you cannot. Oh, you have to follow the rules? You uh, Yes. No, okay. you can, well, you can make all the bad art you want. <laughs> I know I can. But art should have meaning. Art is a visual means of communicating. And so I do not like artists who say, oh, it means whatever you want it to mean. That's just not right. Yeah, It should mean what you intend. Although there you have a little leeway for the viewer to interpret it with a little bit of leeway. But if you took this French soldier and made him larger and moved him a little to the right, you might have a nice triangle going up the man on the left's arm that's raised to signal Mm -hmm. the troops to move forward, up to a higher placed helmet, and then down through the line of the tank. Mm -hmm. That would be good. Now, the background seems to work nicely. It has French words in it, which adds to the realism of the work. Sacre bleu. Yes, it does. Wait. It says, eat at Joe's. (laughs) I think Mm. it's yours. Oh, eat at yours. Oui, oui. And so we have this marvelous work. It's pretty. I mean, I I actually like it. But you don't think it's... Are you you saying it's not a good piece of art, really? I'm saying the composition could be improved. Otherwise, I love the historical accuracy of the work. Um, I really like the detail of the foggy background. The blown-out tree adding the battle-torn look to the work. So the artist has done lots of things to make this a nice piece of work. Art... Now, as a as something of a snobby, uh, did, no, did I say that? Yes, you Particular, did. Peculiar, maybe even art critic. If you were to, if you were to, you're just very grab, peculiar. Yes, if you were to just grab this off the shelf and look at it, would you say right away, "Eh, it's not such a great cover"? Or Me does it personally, take you, does it take you a few minutes to I, make your analysis? I would look at this and go. Squad leader game! Squad leader game! And I would run home yeah. gleefully skipping. Now, once I had time to sit around and look at the box, I would start to make a art critical analysis. <laughs> I got you. Good well, enough. that was very nice. Well, thank you. We also have That's tonight, the end of a... Oh. Nice try. Yeah. <laughs> we have Module 11, Doomed Battalions. I think we're almost uh, through all the modules, folks. Now... Oh, but we still have the journals and annuals. Oh, no! Now, <laughs> look at the lettering. What do you think? Doomed battalions, huh? Look at the graphic. Let's talk graphic design instead of the Looks art. Like it's fine chiseled out. out of stone. Yes, isn't it nice? Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was Domed Bationes. No, that would be Italian. Huh. Or Mexican. Sp- yeah, something or Latin. <laughs> Maybe Latin. But this is English. Well, look at that. Now, again, the triangular composition. What is this a picture of? Can you give us a general... Actually, I kind of like it. It's one of those rare tanks found only in doomed battalions. Oh. Now, that would be the Allied Miners. So that would include 
Um, lots of cool countries and their unique guns. So those were all kids under 18, the Allied miners? No, not necessarily, but that soldier looks... What nationality does he look like to you, just looking at it closely? Um, he looks squeamish. <laughs> well, of course it's war, Jeff. Oh. But... Uh, well, I, he looks uh, Irish to me. <laughs> his uniform? Irish descent. Or his red hair? Oh, his... You uh, can't yeah. see his okay. hair color. Oh, his uniform. I don't know. He looks like an American. He does. He looks like an American to me, too. Yeah. But he can't be, and I don't know no. what he is, sadly. He's I have not minor. done my research. But see, if I knew my uniforms better than that, I'd be able to tell you what he was. But but it's a cool-looking vehicle, right? So you don't know anything about it, but you can still be a critic. <laughs> I don't know anything about it. It's the perfect combination. Yeah, right. Uh, what's that? The streetcar named Desire behind him? Yes, and it's been destroyed. Oh. Stella! Street- yeah. <laughs> Stella, somebody's blowing up our streetcar! Stella! In fact, look real close at this. I think it says Desire on the streetcar. Yeah. And in the nameplate. And we have a cool vehicle, which again, I couldn't tell you what it is, but notice it's got two cupolas, or do you say cupola? I say cupola. And it's got two of those yeah. firing what looks to be machine guns. Those are not cannon, right? No, no, they're not cannons. And that's cool. And I could we could probably look at our squad leader counters and figure out what vehicle that is. But yeah. I like the camo pattern, the nice blendy edges between the colors, and the nice rivets in this tank, giving lots of good detail. And, the, and again, a destroyed background, capturing that flavor. And the overall color scheme, a purplish to this one, whereas if you compare it to the Croix de Guerre, you have a bluish mm-hmm. kind of look. Yeah. So very different color schemes on both of these fantastic works of art. Yeah, I think I like them both. Very nice. Module 10 and 11. Module 10 and 11. Bringing to a close another episode of Box Art Review. I've been eagerly, eagerly awaiting this history report, so let's do that next. This country is at war with Germany. Join the forces to our own. All these shall be restored. But General Vagon calls the Battle of France. The whole fury and might of the enemy must very soon be turned on us. Yesterday, December 7th, 
Dave, you've got a history report for us. I have a very special history report tonight about a hero of World War II. And albeit a hero you haven't heard much about, but it is my uncle, Edward Kleinschmidt. And um, my uncle uh, fought in World War II, and I never talked to him about that, as, a lot, as is true with a lot of these veterans, right? Yeah. And um, when he passed away, I was invited to go to the military funeral where they fired off the gun salute and mm. presented the flag um, the, at the burial. Not the, I missed the funeral at the church. And then there was a ceremony held a few days later at the at the graveyard, and it was very, of course, obviously meaningful for me. Uh, the family did make a, my cousin and his um, mother made a plaque and put in all of the awards of my my uncle and things I'd never seen and never knew about. Hmm. And so I thought I would present to you tonight a ordinary hero of World War II, not uh, a famous person, but my my uncle Corporal Edward. F. Kleinschmidt. And I'll, I'll read to you this um, announcement that appeared in the newspaper. Edward F. Kleinschmidt, 2448 State Street, Grant City, Illinois, and that's near St. Louis, has reason to be proud of himself in his gun section. They've just finished knocking down their sixth German Luftwaffe airplane in a vicious engagement up in the front lines where they were firing on ground targets as well as German aircraft. Corporal Kleinschmidt and his gun crew were under heavy enemy artillery fire and small arms sniping, but this did not prevent them from carrying out their anti-aircraft assignment. Four Luftwaffe pilots drove down, dove their aircraft screaming down upon Corporal Kleinschmidt's gun, but he and his crew kept firing and knocked these planes down in smoke and flames one by one. A little later, now that's four, a little later, two more Nazi raiders coming in from different directions, swung down to strafe the gun. But Corporal Kleinschmidt and his crew kept firing, and when these two planes came within a few hundred yards of the gun, they were finally blasted to bits in midair and drifted wearily to earth, trailing a plume of smoke and debris, fitting markers to Corporal Kleinschmidt and his section's deadly aim. Still under intense enemy artillery fire, they turned the barrel of their boffers, 44-millimeter gun upon the enemy on the ground, covering them with a sheet of flaming tracers. Typical of anti-aircraft artillery in action on the front lines, these anti-aircraft gunners have set new records for accuracy against enemy aircraft and protective fire ahead of advancing ground troops. And that is what appeared in the newspaper. And you can take a look at the photos there. Yeah. I have some documents that I've Xeroxed of my uncles, and I pass these around at school to the students when we talk about our relatives who fought in the war. Mm. And there's many, many of my students' relatives fought. Oh, yeah, my great-grandfather did this, my great-grandfather did that. Included, I have a Army uh, Service Forces Transportation Corps, Army of the United States, New York Port of Embarkation. Embarking, that means that's where he left to go, right? Embarking. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. he was with the 43rd Tank Battalion. Could that be right? That's what it says. Corporal Edward F. Kleinschmidt, Service Company, 43rd Tank Battalion. Returned to the United States on the ship USS Hermitage, which sailed from, oh, this is embarking, coming back to the United States, which sailed from Marseille, France, on the 22nd of November, 1945. Wow. That's pretty cool. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, and so you didn't know any of this when he was alive? Not really. Rumors that he had fought in yeah. World War II, didn't want to bring it up, mm-hmm. didn't feel comfortable, you know, yeah. didn't care as much when I was little, obviously, as yeah. I did as I got older. Yeah. I really regret not interviewing him. So listeners, if you know anybody, get an interview going as soon as you can. Okay. There's a great picture here of his gun crew, and you can see that gun, and you can even see the aiming sights on the gun and stuff there. He's this guy here, and there's a certificate. I certify I personally examined the items captured, enemy equipment in the possession of Edward F. Kleinschmidt, and a big number there, it must have been his number, corporal, and that the bearer is officially authorized by the theater commander under provision of Section 6, blah, 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 in May 1945, to retain as his personal property articles listed in paragraph 3 below. Paragraph 3 refers to one pistol auto Belgium made caliber 38. Is that mm-hmm. a 38 caliber? Uh huh. Yeah. And it's got a serial number 9903. So he brought back this pistol that I was told he took from a Luftwaffe pilot that fell to the ground. There's a shot of him wearing the hat of the Luftwaffe pilot. Is the gun anywhere to be found? No, uh-huh. because he got rid of it. Mm. He th- Basically, I was told, I think I need to double-check this now, but years ago I remember my cousin telling me he thought uh, his father just threw away the guns mm. and was angry at violence and, you know, yeah. just didn't, didn't see a need to have a gun hanging around. Guns were bad. Yeah. And, and you can see some shots of him here, Jeff, that you might be interested in looking at. Yeah, this is great. And also here is a letter signed by Harry Truman. Of course, it's a copy, and of course it was mass-produced for all the soldiers, but uh, to Edward F. Kleinschmidt, to you who answered the call of your country and served in its armed forces to bring about the total defeat of the enemy, I extend the heartfelt thanks of a grateful nation. As one of the nation's finest, you undertook the most severe task one can be called upon to perform because you demonstrated the fortitude, resourcefulness, and calm judgment necessary to carry out that task. We now look to you for leadership and example in further exalting our country in peace. Harry F. Is it F? Harry Truman. S. Harry S. Truman. Yeah, yeah. that's an S. Harry S. Truman from the White House. So, he had, again, that's a document sent to most of the guys returning. Yeah. Fabulous. And the pictures there, you know, you see yeah, him with these his are buddies great. wearing his T-shirt, wearing a, uh, that's a German hat, captured yeah. from a pilot. Mm-hmm. Very handsome looking guy. Well, that runs in the family. I can, I know that. It's evident. Now, this is an interesting document. In 42, uh, Corporal Kleinschmidt, this article is titled, 20 Navy Flyers and Training, starting a new class of 10 students. 20 Navy Flyers have completed their primary phase of their training at Community High School and have been assigned to their centers for further instruction. It was announced some of the boys have gone to Galesburg, others to Columbia, Evansville, Indiana, and Iowa City following their departure. The schools enrolled a smaller class of 10 new students. The members are Edward F. Kleinschmidt of Granite City, etc., program these boys follow starts at 5.15 a.m. 15 minutes later, they start walking to a high school for breakfast at 6 a.m. 6.45 to 8 a.m., they have military science, discipline, and physical training. At 8.30, they report to Lakeside Airport for flight instruction. So if he was in the flight instruction program, how did he end up in an anti-aircraft unit? Hmm. He thought it would be funny 
to do a little flyby, like when you buzz people on the ground, mm-hmm. to to some commanding officers. Oh, maybe. Yes. And <laughs> they grounded him. <laughs> That's exactly right. Is that right? Yeah, he buzzed these people, oh. and they kicked him out of the air so, so he became anti Air Force. I thought, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Well, apparently, he went with this like. Well, he says it was a, bank, a tank battalion. I never quite figured that out, but he ended up in an anti-aircraft unit, and he started as a Navy flyer. And wow! He got booted for being a little bit thinking he was a Mister Funny guy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a notice here about. It happened his, to Tom Cruise, I think, in one of his movies. <laughs> did it. Uh, change of rating at the time of your enlistment you were listed as a seaman second class due to uh, his rating was changed to aviation cadet and corresponding change in pay all right and so there's also copies of certificate of award of claim and again how they shot down these six planes and i believe he got the bronze star which is in his display that they made at the house and this is his uh, Bronze Star Award, Corporal Edward F. Kleinschmidt, son of Myrtle Kleinschmidt, and State Street recently was awarded the Bronze Star for heroic achievement against the enemy in Germany on March 17th. He's a fire director operator and has participated in the Normandy, Northern France, and German campaigns. Wow, that's where he went in. I don't think he didn't go in. On, I don't think he went in on D-Day, but I might be wrong about that. So I have some little research to do on my uncle yet mm-hmm. and his unit. But his obituary ran that he peacefully passed away on Saturday, June 15, 2002. And then is survived by the family, etc. So that was uh, another American hero. That's a real American hero. Yeah. My uncle. Yeah. And thanks for giving me that opportunity to share that. Oh, thanks for bringing that in. We do appreciate that. It's amazing. It really brings that time close to home when you think. And I was thinking the other day, when I was, the year I was born, 1957, you know, the war had only been over for 12 years. It's just, it's so close. It's hard to imagine that Europe and and the Pacific were just. That's right. It's it's really. Totally under fire. Yeah. Uh, It's just hard to believe. It's not as as far away as it seems. No. Students learning right now about the civil rights movement. And the end of the Cold War, well, the Cold War and the Civil Rights Movement yeah. in the 50s and 60s and 70s. Um, I tell them, yeah, I was a little kid in, you know, 60, the Cuban Missile Crisis. And, uh, yeah. right, you know, when your your parents and your grandparents know, they lived when, when segregation was was common in a lot of states in this in this country. It was not long ago. Yeah. So. Well, thank you for that great history segment, Dave. A pleasure. Well, I guess that'll wrap it up for episode 19. All right. We had some fun. Lots of fun. Thanks for listening, everybody. Very informative. Yeah, thanks, everybody. And we'll talk to you next time. And remember to roll roll low and may may the the dice dice be with you. But not when you're playing us. us.